0: Come to me, all you who are burdened, all of you who are weary, all of you are pressed down with a weight of responsibility, heavy laden, like Pharaoh, all of you who don't know where to turn and feel perplexed, Jesus says, come to me. Why does he say it? Because he is the very word of God, the son of God. He knows the mind of God. He brings you to the knowledge of God because he is God in the flesh himself.
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. The series this month is looking at the life of Joseph. We're in Genesis chapter 41. Colin, here you are talking about the person of Jesus... How's that connected with the life of Joseph?
0: Oh boy, well we're seeing all the way through the story of Joseph how many times and how many ways he points to the Lord Jesus. We're at the point in the story where Joseph has told the Pharaoh that there are going to be years of famine. The Pharaoh's put him in charge of uh, the stores of grain that are amassed during the years of plenty and then when the famine comes the Pharaoh says, go to Joseph Hmm. because he's the man in charge of the storehouse. who is able to give you everything that you need. What well, what a marvelous pointer to the Lord Jesus Christ, the highly exalted son of God, who has all the grace that all of God's people will ever need for every circumstance of life. And we're to go to him and he says, come to me and I will give you rest. He has everything that we need for life and godliness. God has supplied it for us in Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're going to get a good look at Jesus today and that's what nourishes the soul.
1: So let's look at Genesis chapter 41 as we continue the message, Wise and Discerning. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: What does it mean to be discerning and wise? Well, clearly there are many, many answers to that question. But in this story, there are two answers in particular. The first is to be wise and to be discerning will mean that we restrain indulgence in times of plenty. That's the first point really that Joseph is making. That in years of plenty, when God prospers you, It is easy to become extravagant and to become wasteful, to get carried away with these resources that you have and not to steward them wisely. And Joseph is saying we really have to make sure that that does not happen here because the seven years of plenty are going to be followed by seven years of famine. So let's make sure don't waste what you have been given. Uh, Restrain indulgence in times of plenty. And then to be wise and discerning means a second thing, that we take reasonable measures to provide for the future. And again, Joseph discerns that what this will mean in that particular situation is that a fifth of the harvest should be put in store for seven years to be saved up in anticipation of uh, the uh, years of famine that are to come. And Joseph sets out a brilliant plan that has details of where the savings are to be made and how the stewardship is to be exercised. Uh, It's all there in the plan that he lays out. And it is a remarkable model of wisdom and discernment from someone who at this point in the story is only 30 years old. Now George Lawson, who has written a very helpful book on Joseph, I've quoted from it a number of times and I'm sure will again, uh, he asks a question that I think is significant here. He asks, how does this policy of Joseph to store up the food relate to the words of Jesus when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. And he makes this comment that I think is very, very helpful. He says, this rule, that is the rule of Jesus with regards to not storing up, is not intended to prohibit us from providing in time of plenty for a time of scarcity. So what Jesus says about not storing things up, it is not intended to stop us from providing when we have for times when we will have less. And then here's his key comment. As long as this can be done without neglecting the necessary duties of charity and piety. Now, you can tell from that that he was writing more than 100 years old, and you might be saying, what, what in the world does he mean by saying that? Here's what he means. He says this, the first duty of a Christian in regards to the money that God trusts to us, however much or however little that may be, the first duty of a Christian is in regards to our giving to God. That's what he refers to under the word Piety. And with it is our duty to be generous in relation to the needs of others who are in particular circumstances of need. And that, of course, is what he refers to as charity. Now, he says, when we have done that, when we have done the first things, the first things that God calls us to, that is our duty in relation to our giving to God himself and our duty in relation to giving to others who are in some particular need, when we've done the thing in relation to piety and in relation to charity, then, out of what remains, we are to think in regards to saving with regards to future times of scarcity. Now, this is a very important principle. For a Christian believer... Saving is important, but for a Christian believer, saving is not and never can be the first thing. If saving is your first thought with regards to money, you have not allowed the lordship of Jesus Christ yet to penetrate into that sphere of your life. It is an important thing, but it is never, it can never be the first thing. It arises after the duties of piety and charity, which are the first things that God calls us to fulfill. Now this is very important because we must always remember that there are two ways to dishonor God with your money. One is that you spend what you should have given. So you see something that really gets your eyes flashed. You say, i really, really like to have that. And if I really stretch everything, I can go for that. And what you do is you spend what you should have given. And you dishonor God in relation to your money because you've made that decision. You put that thing that you wanted above the claims of God, above piety and above charity. And you have spent what you should have given. But there's another way to dishonor God with your money and it is perhaps the way that comes particularly to a conservatively minded people. And that is that you can dishonor God with your money by saving what you should have given. By saving what you should have given. And friends, Where that is our temptation, it's good to remember that saving may actually hold the more subtle temptation, because if you are by instinct a saver, and that is always the first thing in your mind, it is very easy for you to feel righteous with regards to this. And you need to hear then the words of the Lord Jesus when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And then for others of us, our instinct is to spend. We're always maxing ourselves out. We're overreaching. And the result is that we're spending what we should be giving. And what you need to hear is the counsel of Joseph here. Save during the years of plenty so that there will be enough when the time of scarcity comes. So what does it mean to be wise and discerning? Well, it means to restrain indulgence in times of plenty, and it means to take reasonable measures to provide for the future.
1: You're listening to Pastor Colin Smith on Open the Bible with a message, Wise and Discerning, part of our series Snapshots of a Godly Life, looking at the story of Joseph. And if you miss any of the message, or if you want to go back and listen again, you can always do that by going to our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. There you can download a free MP3 or stream the message online. Now let's get back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. Now let me take
0: a few moments here to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to see today three very wonderful ways in which Joseph, the wise counselor, points us to Jesus, who is, of course, the wonderful counselor, the one who is greater than Joseph. And the first of these ways in this story is that the wise counselor, Joseph, speaks the word of God. It's very striking that with all of the angst that's going on in the palace, all of the burden that's on Pharaoh, all of these advisors are out there. In the first 15 verses, there isn't a single reference to God. And the reason there isn't a single reference to God in the first 15 verses of chapter 41 is that no one in the court knows God. No one is actually walking with God. And so here are these folks with great responsibility, great worries, great anxiety, troubled spirit, and there's no one who can speak a word from God to them. And then Joseph comes on the scene. And in verse 16, the very first sentence he speaks, he brings God into the conversation. And it never stops after that. Look at it, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh. First sentence, it is not in me God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Verse 25, Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Verse 28, it says, I told Pharaoh again, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Verse 32, and the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. So here the name of God hasn't even got a mention in the royal court until this man comes in because he does know God and he is able to speak the word of God. And Pharaoh then says to his servants in verse 38, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? now Pharaoh's talking about God. And what do you make of that phrase, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? I mean, Pharaoh spoke more than he knew. He he did not have a fully developed doctrine of the Trinity or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. He didn't know any of that. But here's what he's experienced. This man has come in here and he has spoken from God. He knows God. He knows what God has said. He knows what God will do. He knows the mind of God. In some way, the spirit of God must be in him. Because what I hear from him is the word of God. And you see how wonderfully that points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. The wise and wonderful counselor who comes into the mysteries and all the pressures of your life when you're pressed down with burdens and responsibilities. You do not know what to do or where to turn. And he knows the mind of God because he is the son of God. He is God with us. What he says is the word of God. So when he comes into the world, he says, he whom God has sent utters the words of God. I have given them the words, Father, that you gave to me. He says, no one knows the Father. Nobody knows God the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son reveals him. And therefore, he says, come to me. All you who are burdened, all of you who are weary, all of you are pressed down with a weight of responsibility, heavy laden, like Pharaoh, all of you who don't know where to turn and feel perplexed, Jesus says, come to me. And why does he say it? Because he is the very word of God, the son of God. He knows the mind of God. He brings you to the knowledge of God because he is God in the flesh himself. Wonderful. Then a second way in which this story points us to Jesus is that the wise counselor, Joseph, here is appointed and then he is honored. See, Pharaoh experiences through Joseph the knowledge of God and of his word. And so he says to Joseph, verse 40, you shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. You see what he's saying? You have the wisdom of God, Joseph. And so I'm going to hand authority over to you. See, I have set you, verse 41, over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh wants all the people to know that he, Pharaoh, has given authority to Joseph. And so he takes his royal signet ring and he puts it on Joseph's finger. He takes the royal garments and drapes them on Joseph's shoulders. He takes the golden chain of office and puts it round his neck. What a change that, chain that was when you think that earlier he'd had this collar of iron around his neck in the earliest days in the prison. Now he's got the golden chain of office around his neck. And then they send out the chariot and the heralds go in front. And they, as they take Joseph through the streets, they're saying, verse 43, bow the knee, bow the knee, bow the knee. Well, you read this, the one who is taken from the lowest place and is exalted to the highest place and he has all the offices of the king that are placed upon him. You cannot but think of our Lord Jesus Christ as he is raised from the dead and he is exalted to the highest place and there at the right hand of the Father. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so here's Jesus and he comes to us with the message of grace into our lives of trouble and of pressure. And when he comes to us as the word of God, the very truth of God, the one who makes God known because he is God with us. The wise and discerning response when we realize that that's who Jesus is, is in Pharaoh's language to make him Lord over our house. You're going to be over my house. You're going to be over my life. The wise and discerning response when you realize who Jesus is, is to bow the knee to him and to order your life at his command. All of this is shining the light on Jesus Christ and how we respond to him. And then there's one more wonderful way in which Joseph points to Jesus, and it's this, that the wise counselor who points to the wonderful counselor is the one who supplies the need of the people. Joseph sets up these storehouses in all of the centers of population, and he does that for this reason, of course, so that there should be easy access for all of the people to come and to receive in time of need what is supplied for them. And the seven years of plenty, they come and they go, and then the seven years of famine arrive, and in verse 55, which is A wonderful, wonderful climax to the story. We're told that when all in the land of Egypt were famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. And what he says to you, do. I love this. The king does not say go to the storehouses. He says go to Joseph. He is the one who has what you need. He is the one who will open the storehouses to you. He is the one who is going to feed you. And you cannot read that. You know Joseph being the one who opens access to the the bread that the people are craving. You can't read that without hearing the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, Taking up that great theme. And he says, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall no longer be hungry. And whoever believes in me shall no longer thirst. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. All who the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never, never, never drive them away. Oh, says Pharaoh, Go to Joseph and he'll give you the bread. Oh, says Jesus, come to me. I am the bread. Go to Jesus. And you will find that in him you have access to all the storehouses of God's grace. Go to Jesus. He has stores of mercy that are sufficient to cover and to cleanse every one of your sins. And you can go to Jesus today and He will not send you away short-handed or empty. Come to Jesus. He has the storehouses of strength to be able to stand up under the pressures, the weights, the burdens of responsibility that you're facing in your life. Sufficient grace. Sufficient wisdom for everything that you need for life and for godliness. Christ is the one who opens the storehouses of grace. We have access to all of the heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus. A troubled leader, a wise counsellor who points to the wonderful counsellor. Not only speaks, but is the word of God, who wise people will appoint and exalt as Lord over all of their lives and all of our affairs. And then, just in this very last minute, this little character that might get forgotten, the cupbearer, the forgetful servant, this guy who i feel sorry for because i think he's so embarrassed in verse 9 i remember my offenses today you know what he's saying pharaoh i am so sorry i've been working for you i've been working right next to you for two whole years And in two years that I've been working for you, I haven't said to you a single word about the one person who can really help you with the burdens that you're bearing. And there is such a person. And I know that he can help you because he has helped me. He's the one who spoke the word of God to me. But the truth is that since I've been put into this exalted position, now this promoted position, I really haven't given him a single thought. I'm so sorry, I haven't thought to speak to you about Joseph. But of course, he remembers, the forgetful servant remembers. And he was the one who had the honor of making the introduction of Joseph to Pharaoh. And his hand was involved in all the blessing that came from that. The lifting of all these heavy burdens that were on Pharaoh's shoulders. And they're lifted because he's introduced to Joseph by the cupbearer. People who would have died in a famine and lives are saved because of the provision that is made because he introduced Joseph to Pharaoh. And not only in Egypt, we're told at the end of the chapter, people came from all nations on earth because Egypt was the only place where there was food. And so lives were saved there. And more than that, among the many nations that came, there were, as we'll see in the second part of the series, Joseph's own brothers, including Judah and his children. The line into which Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world, would be born. The cupbearer remembered and introduced his boss to the one who could help him. And I end here because for all of us who know Jesus Christ and love the wonderful counsellor, the Son of God, the one in whom we have access to all of the supplies of God's grace, to us Too often the forgetful servant is given this immense privilege that we should be the ones who have the opportunity of introducing other people to Jesus.
1: It's great to finish the message today being reminded of the importance of sharing the good news of the gospel with those around us. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and if you ever miss any of the messages or if you want to go back and listen again you can always do that by going to the website openthebible.org.uk Open the Bible is supported by its listeners If you're able to support us with a regular gift of £5 or more we'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book It was written many years ago but it will be new to many of you It's called simply Holiness and Colin, who is this book for?
0: Well, it's in the title. It's for everyone who wants to pursue a holy life. And you know what? That has to be every believer because the Bible says without holiness, we will not see the Lord. But here's the question. What's the relationship between God accepting us, the Bible calls that justification, and God changing us? The Bible calls that sanctification. Does God only accept us when he changes us? And uh, if God has accepted us before He changes us, is it okay just to rest happy that He's accepted us? Well, Ryle really gets into these issues. What is the relationship? between justification and sanctification, between God accepting you so that you have peace with him through Jesus Christ and God changing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I think most of the main questions that I get asked as a pastor, questions that trouble ordinary believers, arise from a confusion between these two things, justification and sanctification. It's about, well, you know, I'm not yet the Christian that I want to be. I've not yet changed as much as I would like to. Has God really accepted me? You see, that that's right on the hinge between these two things. And Ryle gets at that in such a clear and biblical way. That's why this is such a helpful book. It will help every Christian to make sense of their own experience.
1: We want to send you a copy of this book. It's by J.C. Ryle. You can find details of this offer along with how you can support Open the Bible by giving. Just go to our website, openthebible.org.uk. If you're able to commit to a regular donation of £5 or more, we would like to thank you by sending you a copy of the book, Holiness. For Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick and we look forward to you joining us next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. How is it possible for men and women who have betrayed trust, lied, broken promises, and deceived to come to share in God's blessing? Find out next time on Open the Bible.